0: Hi, friend. Welcome to Unfolding Words. I'm your host, Tracy Moorings. And today, as I'm recording this, it is Sunday, June 20th, the first day of summer. So I pray that wherever you are, you're enjoying some warm weather and some sunshine. I personally feel like summer is going a bit too fast. I wanted to slow down just a little bit. So hopefully, as summer takes place, we will see things slow down just a little bit. So today, I'm going to talk about a subject that you are probably very familiar with, you may know someone who holds this philosophy where they say, I want Jesus, but I don't do church, or I love Jesus, but I'm not into church. But the truth is, you cannot love Jesus and dislike the church. And we hear this over and over again. And I don't know whether it's getting more popular, or if it's just something that's always existed. It feels like it's getting more popular with the advent of, you know, online church. But people are saying, I I still love Jesus, but I don't want to deal with church anymore. But we have to remember that Jesus called the church his bride. We see this in Ephesians chapter five. And there's a popular example where we can say, you can think about, you know, being friends with someone, but they want nothing to do with your spouse. How would you feel? You you wouldn't, that wouldn't work. Someone wants to be your best friend, but they want nothing to do with your significant other. And I know we would have a hard time having a relationship with that person. When we say that we want Jesus, but we don't want a part of his church and his people, we're basically doing the same thing to him, saying that we want him without the significant person in his life. But it just doesn't work like that. Ephesians 5, verse 25 through 27 reads, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, and that she might be holy and without blemish. And then I'm going to drop down to verse number 29, it says, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. So when we say that we don't want church, we dislike church, we're not down with church. What we're saying is that we We dislike the body that God has created, which we are made up of. So we're essentially saying that we dislike ourselves as well if we consider ourselves to be Christ followers. According to scripture, the church is the bride of Christ. And when we speak poorly of the church, we're speaking about Jesus's bride. Think about that for a moment. And when we make hurtful comments or we condemn the church, We are addressing the bride of our savior. Do you think that for one moment that Jesus is going to be fine with our disdain for the church? Do you think he's happy about any insults that we would casually hurl at his bride? This is not going to vibe well with him. So let me give you a definition of what I mean when I say church. This is a twofold definition. It's the universal church, which exists in heaven which is an eschatological assembly of everyone, past, present, and future believers who belong to Christ's new covenant kingdom. There's also the local church, which is a group of new covenant members or kingdom citizens who are identified by regularly gathering together in Jesus' name to hear preaching of the gospel. And to celebrate those ordinances that are laid out in the Bible. So, the local church is linked to Christianity. You cannot separate the two. The local church is the New Testament's expression of Christianity. And the New Testament depicts the Christian and the local church as one in the same. And almost every reference of the church in the New Testament is about the local church, this local body of believers in our present day. And the local church refers to a group of Christians who have sort of covenanted together to gather regularly for worship and for ministry. And a lot of people today argue that church membership isn't in the Bible. So we can't, you know, make a legitimate claim for that. But the early church did keep a role, at least in some form. And we see the early church mentions the number of additions to the church through salvation and baptisms. We see them talking about the inclusion in and the exclusion from the church. So how could the New Testament authors report on people being added to the church or the number being added without some kind of membership role? There had to be some sort of system that they adopted. So let's look at what the New Testament has to say about the church. I feel like if we have a good theology about what the Bible lays out about the church, we can better give an answer to those who say that church doesn't matter or I don't need to do church. So when you talk about when we look at the New Testament, you can see it's all about the church. In Matthew 16, Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell Will not overpower it. Jesus fulfilled his promise through his own death when he shed his blood for the church on the cross. And the book of Acts begins with the birth of the church through Peter's preaching at Pentecost. And the book continues as the church spreads throughout the Mediterranean region and beyond through the apostles' preaching and the power of the Holy Spirit. And we also see that a lot of the New Testament epistles are written to or about churches. And in them, the authors explain what churches are to believe, what they're to teach, how they ought to minister and organize themselves. So the churches are not left without a plan or a blueprint on how they're to operate. And at the end of the New Testament, the book of Revelation is where the Apostle John records Jesus's seven letters to seven churches, and he ends the Bible with Jesus's return for his bride, the church. And then on the road to Damascus, Jesus makes this comparison between the church and himself. Think about what he said to Saul in Acts 9 and 4. He said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Remember, Paul was persecuting those Christians, those new Christians who had converted from Judaism to Christianity. Yet Jesus says, Saul, why are you persecuting me? That's because Jesus is the head of the church and the church is his body. So how we view, engage, and treat Jesus' church reflects how we view, engage, and treat Jesus himself. And in the New Testament, we see that the local church, they gathered in homes to sit under the teaching of the word and to break bread together. And as the church grew and matured and developed, we see that the gathering happened on the first day of the week, which marked the day of Christ's resurrection. So those who neglected to gather with God's people received warnings in the Bible. The author of Hebrews encouraged believers not to neglect to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. This is Hebrews 10 and 25. So, Believers today would be wise to take heed to this advice and and to join themselves to a church body for all the benefits that come from collective worship, which includes encouraging others to do the same. So the Bible we know has a lot to say about the church and about Jesus's deep and abiding love for the church. And even though Jesus had this very demonstrative and deep love for the church, which he proclaimed in the scripture. We see so many people who call themselves Christians who are leaving it today in record numbers, who are discounting the gathering together of the saints in a local body. And many of these people wouldn't say that they've stopped believing in God or that they've stopped loving Jesus or that they've even given up on Jesus. They were probably just saying that they've become frustrated with the local church And so maybe they're upset about the stance that the church takes on social issues or some of the traditions that the church still holds on to. Maybe they think that the church is no longer relevant today and that it doesn't try hard enough to engage with today's culture. Or maybe they believe the church is trying too hard to fit in with today's culture. A lot of people are disappointed with the hypocrisy they see with people who say they're Christians, but then they live another way. And so they feel like, well, church is no good because look at these people who aren't living correctly. And maybe there are some Christians who are not talking correctly or are abusing other Christians, which makes people feel like they don't need church. I understand all of this and their feelings are valid. There are people in the church who don't display the loving characteristics that Christ showed for his church and for the one that they claim to be following. And and I'm sure that Jesus is sad by seeing this as well. When he sees people being abused in the church by leadership, this has to sadden his heart, the things that are going on in the local church. But that doesn't mean that we can abandon the church altogether. Jesse Rice, he wrote this book called The Church of Facebook, how the hyper connected are redefining community. And he says this about people's view of church today We'd rather be consumers of relationships, taking the parts we want and leaving out the parts we don't, than face dealing with all of home's demands and benefits. And so, unfortunately, we scratch our heads and wonder why we can't seem to find the kind of community experience we're looking for, all the while remaining willfully adolescent in our relational habits. So what he's saying is basically is that we want to pick and choose the kind of relationships that we have in our lives that are beneficial for us, that feel good to us. But the church is not designed like that. We're sort of thrown into this mixed bag with people we may not like, with people who rub us the wrong way, but that's how we grow and mature in the body of Christ. That's how God designed the church, that all of these people who started back in the book of Acts, Jews and Gentiles, they had different cultural norms and standards and ways of doing life and different traditions, and he put them all together and expected them to learn to live together in harmony. That's one of the roles of the local church, and that's how we live out our Christ-likeness in the local church is when we learn to live with one another in fellowship despite our differences. You are part of Christ's church. If you're a believer, you're automatically on the role as a member of Christ's church. And in Luke and Acts, which is a two-volume work by Luke, it presents the church as one of community, a community where People are this body where the Spirit of God is working. So the church is an extension of a reality that was started in Jesus Christ. And in the gospel, John the Baptist announces the coming of one who would baptize with the Holy Spirit. We see this in the book of Luke, chapter 3, verse 16. And in Acts, this promise is fulfilled with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts chapter one. And just as Jesus is empowered for his mission by the Holy Spirit, the early Christian community is also empowered to be a witness to the world. And we see Jesus is faced with great challenges when he's tempted in the wilderness. And in the same way, the church, this community of be- believers that are drawn together because they believe in Jesus are going to face temptations to yield to the pressures of the world, to compromise its mission, to abandon it. That's one of the temptations that the church faces. And just as Jesus was empowered by the Holy Spirit to proclaim the good news, to live it out and touch the lives of people, the church is empowered and given this same mission by the Holy Spirit to become a community of people who are caring and sharing and showing how the Holy Spirit can work powerfully through them. In Matthew 16 and 18, it says, And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The idea of the church was designed purposely by God, and it's the only place where true spiritual success is attained because of God's purpose and his protection, the gates of hell will not prevail against God's church. In Acts chapter 14, it says, and when they arrived and gathered the church together, they declared all that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. So this is Acts 14 verses 27 and 28. Acts 15 and 4 says, when they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles, and the elders, and they declared all that God had done with them. So we see the scriptures are continually highlighting the importance of church involvement and how God is working through people to bring um, them to himself. And in the passages that I just read, the church is acting as a group of believers who report and celebrate the progress of Christ's message in the world. So the churches were strengthened in faith and they increased in numbers daily, Acts 16 and 5 says. So both the growth of a church in numbers and the growth of the faith of the members of the church were important issues to the early Christians. All of this happened within the context of the local church. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25 say, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Even before the fall of man in the garden, the Bible says the only thing that was not good was that man was alone. So we are created for relationships. We're created for community and fellowship with one another. And that's all found in the local church. That's where we get our relationships and our fellowship with like-minded believers. The Bible also tells us to love our neighbors as ourselves. And we need to feel loved and encouraged as do our fellow church members. And we can't do this without the institution of the local church. The church is also important because we need opportunities to find out our spiritual gifts. Every one of us has a skill and a gift that God wants to use in the kingdom to help others to know him and to follow him and to learn more about him. And these are called spiritual gifts. We see this in 1 Corinthians 12, and we discover our spiritual gifts the same way we discover any other kind of talent. Superstars on the basketball field, superstars in the entertainment industry only know that they have a talent because they're engaged in it in a community, on a basketball team, maybe in a musical or a school performing arts context. We'll never find out what God has called us to do, what he's equipped us to do, what he's put inside of us, if we don't get involved. And the local church is the perfect place to find out our giftings, whether it's teaching, whether it's um, administrative skills. The local church is designed for that. The local church is also the place where we get authority and we don't have to believe anything anyone tells us about God, but... We do know that God appointed men and women in the church to lead us and to teach us. That's a God design. And God gave us the Bible and the church so that we can know what is from him, what he has established. And it's through the church's authority that we can test and see what is of God and what is not of him. And when we've prayed and read the Bible and aren't sure what to do, the church is where we can go to for advice. When we have a good, solid leadership, this is what God has established, a healthy leadership that equips the body to do what they're supposed to do. The church is a place where we also learn how to live with other believers. I touched on this earlier. Church people are not perfect people. They're called saints, but that doesn't mean we're all good. We're, we are forgiven but we're still sinners. And no matter how long you've been following Jesus, no matter how long you've been teaching or holding a position, we are going to miss the mark sometimes. But God established a system for us to get back on track with repentance, with community, fellowship, encouraging one another to get back on track. And When we do this, when we fall short, we need a place where we can come to be healed and restored and encouraged to get back on track. And that place is the local church. So when we encounter people who say they love Jesus, but they don't do church, we have to let them know that they are so wrapped up in one another, Jesus and the church, that you can't have one without the other. You can't love and serve Jesus Without the church, it's not possible because Jesus loves his church so much that he puts you in the church to develop you, to grow you and to strengthen you. And so I pray that you are encouraged today to have a new love and reverence for the local church and what God is doing in and through it. And if you are part of Body Believers where you feel that things aren't healthy, that's where prayer comes in. That's where you go on behalf of God and say, Lord, this is your church. You see what's going on here and he can get things back in order. He loves his church and he wants nothing more than for it to succeed. So I'm praying that you get plugged in that you fellowship with your body of believers, that you take the bad with the good and that you let God work through you, that the Holy Spirit work through you, through you, through the local church. So that's it for this week's episode of Unfolding Words. If there's something that you'd like me to cover, a scripture or a topic, I would love to hear from you. You can go to my website at unfoldingwords.com and you can message me there or send me a message on Instagram. My handle is at Unfolding Words. I would love to hear from you. Or if you just want to share feedback, that's awesome too. So I'll see you back here next week. Thank you for tuning in. May God's word be a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. God bless you.